Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome back to Daybreak Devotions, a brand new week of broadcasting from the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host and co-host, Pastor Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. So good to be back in studio today. Is it? Yes, it is. We always like to check and make sure you're telling the truth. Well, there's just something special about our recording time slot for Daybreak Devotions. it's It's a precious moment. You know, they have statues, little little statuettes of precious moments. Yes. People collect those. They used to. Well, we're collecting these precious moments, and we hope that you are ready to go along with us because we are we are actually excited about what we're going to do. We were talking about this before we came to record. You know, last week we finished up our, you know, post-resurrection week, first week after Jesus was was resurrected look at the the disciples and all that was happening with them. And we were talking about the timeline from the day Jesus rose until Pentecost was 50 days, Mm -hmm. and then there's 40 days before Jesus ascended back to heaven. So overall 50 days in that 40-day period where Jesus is now going to be doing some stuff. And we looked at last week, and we'll touch on that again today, but we're excited about continuing on the journey at least through this week of kind of an overview of what all happens from resurrection to Pentecost and what can we glean from that and how can we I think I think a big word is how can we be encouraged sure encouraged not just encouraged in the yay but encouraged in the motivated yes. way like encouraged to get out there I mean one of the things we've been very focused on lately here at the church and we should be all the time is is our our role in world missions not just in the fact that we support missionaries or take them on, but what is our role beyond that? And this whole period right here, this 40 days, 50 days up to Pentecost, is really about birthing that in the church. There is a Bible study term called the law of first mention, and you're taught anytime you read something that's mentioned for the very first time in Scripture, it's significant because there's probably a lot of detailed information that's presented at that time. Well, this time period, there may not be a lot of stuff that is mentioned for the first time because a lot of what Jesus reinforces with his disciples in that 50-day period is really stuff that he had been teaching them all along. But this is definitely maybe the law of first opportunity. Hey, this is, this is the day. Everything that I've been teaching and training and preparing you for, well, this is day one. It's time to get active and it's time to get going. And so we learn a lot from that by what the disciples did, what they learned, what was Jesus reinforcing and instilling in them, because these were the things that he was going to encourage the church to continue on in the Apostles' Doctrine all throughout the rest of the church age. We're going to look in Acts chapter 1 this morning. In just a moment, I'm, we'll read from that kind of an opening. But to give you as a listener a general sense of the direction we're going in, I w- we were looking from, again, the day of resurrection all the way to Pentecost. So trying to break that down... It's not confusing, but trying to simplify it is a little difficult, and I hope that makes sense. But here's the way it works, and I I, I put the dates with it as far as how they correlate with this year, 2023. So Resurrection, or Easter Sunday, was April the 9th. 
Then you have the upper room. I, I, I keep saying the upper room, but it was at least another room where the disciples were. And it happens eight days later on April the 16th. Now, that is, um, that is the time when Thomas is actually there with them because Jesus first appears to the disciples that evening of Easter Sunday. So from a- April 9th, April 16th, you've got those. That's the week we just covered. We talked about that during last week's uh, time. And then you've got this general period of about a month where Jesus is appearing in different places. And what I wrote down, restoring and confirming. I think when he appears in the upper room, again, just allow me to call it that. <laughs> Somebody might write me and say, it wasn't in the upper room. Well, it they were in some been, room. Yeah, it might not have been the upper room. It was an upper room. It was an upper room. But he's confirming the disciples, and, and it starts right there, actually on that first appearance, that sun, Easter Sunday. But he does that again and brings Thomas into it, and there's some some points that, that could be made there about how he, you know, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit and all that. And I think that throughout that next month, he's doing a lot of appearing and restoring and confirming with people. Now, not a lot of details on that, but we have some scripture we'll look at. Then you have what is the final great commissioning and the ascension. And that happens in correlation with our calendar. That would be this year, May the 18th. So basically, April 17th through May 17th, Jesus is doing stuff. I mean, just to kind of the look ahead, he's, he appears to over 500 people. So he's busy, you know? It's amazing. It's just to stop and think about what might Jesus have been doing. And you can piece things together, you know, because when he appeared to the disciples, he's eating with them, he's talking with them, he's, uh, he's kind of lighthearted with them. And you you, you got to imagine he's doing that with other people throughout all yeah. this time, people that had meant a lot to him. Maybe he goes to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's house again. So you've got that going on. May the 18th, according to our calendar this year, that would be the day of the, the ascension. And he tells them to tarry in Jerusalem for 10 days. And so 10 days later, May the 28th, would be the day of Pentecost. And that is when the church was gathered together and and uh, the Spirit comes down upon them. So that's kind of the timeline we're looking at. I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 3. And then I've got a little reading that I wanted to do. Acts chapter 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he through, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's the section we're going to kind of spring out of as we go into this week. But I pulled down off the, uh, the shelf here at the church a commentary by John Phillips. Mm-hmm and uh, exploring Acts, and I, I just opened it up to read the introduction in it, and, and I just thought, man, this is really good, just to kind of sort of put a cap on some things we've talked about, but also introduce where we're going with this. So let me read a portion of this from John Phillips. The human life of Christ on earth and his subsequent translation to heaven was just the beginning, but what a beginning. It was the beginning of one who had no beginning, Jesus was the eternal, self-existing, uncreated second person of the Godhead who existed before time existed, the one described by the Holy Spirit as the everlasting Father. His human life was the beginning of a new mode of living, one he will never relinquish 
through all the eternal ages yet to be. For now he has something he never had before, a battle-scarred and glorified human body in which he is now seated on his Father's throne on high. His incarnation was the beginning of a new kind of living. It was also the beginning of a new kind of doing. He went about doing good, Peter says in Acts 10.38, which was the summary of his life. Oh, other good people have lived, but none like Jesus. Adam was good when God first made him. He was made in the image and likeness of God. He was intelligent, upright, and good. The crown of creation, Lord of the earth, one with whom God delighted to commune in the cool of the day. But Adam's goodness was the goodness of innocence. It was goodness untried. How long it lasted, we do not know, but it came to a sad end at the fall. Jesus was the second man. When he came, it was the beginning of a new kind of doing as well as a new kind of living. As he stepped out of eternity into time, he said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And so he did, as a babe in the cradle, as a boy around Nazareth and in the synagogue school, as a teen, as a man, working at the bench or tramping the highways of his native land as the servant of Jehovah. It was a new kind of doing. We see him before the Sanhedrin, before Pilate, before Herod, on the cross, in the tomb, ascended on high. And we see a new kind of doing, whether cleansing the leper, healing the sick, freeing the demon-possessed, giving sight to the blind, enabling the lame to leap, raising the dead, feeding the hungry, stilling the storm. It was a new kind of doing, and it was the beginning of a new kind of teaching. Those who heard him said, Never man spake like this man. He taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. They marveled, Whence hath this man wisdom? And he himself affirmed, A greater than Solomon is here. It was a new kind of teaching. Where in all the world is to be found anything to compare with the Sermon on the Mount? Whoever told stories like Jesus, the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, the rich fool, the unmerciful servant, the unjust steward, the sower and the seed? Whoever had such a grasp of the future? His teaching was marvelous, saturated with Scripture, pungent, understandable, practical, loving, true, convicting. It was delivered with compassion and courage and with a total grasp of all the factors of space, time, and eternity. And all was given in complete harmony with his Father and the Holy Spirit. A beginning. The things that Jesus began both to do and teach, but not an ending. The living, doing, and teaching is still going on, which is what the book of Acts is all about. And I thought that was a good reading to take us into the direction that we're going with our study and kind of brings it back to that thought of that though Jesus has risen and he's ascended back to heaven, the work that he was doing, as John Phillips, that reading said, it goes on. And it goes on through the church, and Christ lives in his church. And the whole point of these, as you were alluding to earlier, these whole 40, 50 days is him instilling it into the church, the early apostles and disciples, and getting them prepared. I asked the question as I was thinking about today's recording, what was Jesus doing during all this time? Now, verse 3 of Acts 1, we read it earlier, but it said, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. That's where we are. We're, we're after the suffering, after the passion now. And he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I want to make a point right here. I, there's a lot of things that run through my mind altogether. So I've got notes on the one thing. So let me call this one that just pops up here. As I'm reading the end of verse 3, one of the proofs is that he's speaking of the kingdom of God. And I think that's worth highlighting. That was, a, that was a mark of Jesus' entire ministry. Remember, when he first came, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. And Luke makes the point that he, he appeared and 
by many infallible proofs, not only was he seen, but he was heard. They heard him speaking of the kingdom of God, and they knew that this was their Messiah. This was their king. And we go back to even Friday's broadcast where we talked about the glory of God and how we should be bringing people back to that emphasis. Well, another emphasis we should be making, in, especially in this age of the church and in the final hour of the age, we need to be talking about the kingdom of God. But the part I was originally intending to point out was that phrase, with, by many infallible proofs. And that, that in the uh, infallible proofs is one word in the Greek, and it basically means a token that is, that is proving or making a fact to be known. In other words, it's met all the criteria of certainty. There, whatever it was that was the proof was infallible. Now, I, I know when I say infallible what I mean, and we could use that word and kind of understand what we mean, but I had to kind of go back to our 1828 dictionary and see what infallible means. According to Webster, it means not fallible. Wow. <laughs> but it, he went on to say something important. He said, not capable of erring, entirely exempt from liability to mistake. All right, all that's good, but listen to the last phrase that Webster has in this definition. Applied to persons. Now that caught my attention. And when I read that in Acts 1-3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, it seems to me that the persons are the infallible proofs. Now, there's a great point of emphasis right there. We, we know the word witness, martyrio, or martyr. We know that's what we're called to be for Christ. I think about what Paul wrote to the, I think it was the Corinthians, maybe the second, his second letter to Corinthians, but he said that you are my epistle written and known of mm -hmm. all men. We as Jesus church, his body, his bride, we are the infallible proofs of his resurrection today. And in that day, the infallible proofs were those whom he had appeared to, and to use the words I mentioned earlier, had confirmed and restored and commissioned. They were the infallible proofs. You know, Acts 13, verse 30 and 31, but God raised him from the dead and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. John wrote, 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. And friends, you and I today are still yet the infallible proof of Jesus' resurrection and life. As, as you were talking, these, these verses came to my mind. Acts chapter number 5, verse um, 30, we can just start in verse 37, but it's the words of Gamaliel, as Peter and John and the apostles who are continuing on in the doctrine of Jesus are beginning to stir up the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the same group, and they're struggling, what are we going to do? Uh, Gamaliel looks and says in verse 38, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God... Ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. The infallible proof is the fact that the message and the work and the ministry of Jesus is still continuing on. Still continuing on. It hasn't fallen away. It hasn't ceased. It hasn't fizzled or phased out. So we are the proof of everything that Jesus was working because, look, it continues to work, and our lives and, and uh, opportunity of ministry is to be uh, propagating the work of Christ. But how powerful do we feel, right? So I, I think as you're saying that, 
and I'm thinking about what I said and what the scriptures say. We look at ourselves today as a church, and and again, we, we, we are looking through the context of where the American church is, and I got it. We all know. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not Ephesus right now right. In, 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 uh, in its early days. We're more Ephesus in Revelation when the letter was written. Best case scenario. Yeah. We're, we're a little Laodicea in Ephesus. Yeah. But, but it is encouraging, and, and we must be encouraged and compelled by the fact that the Bible states and Jesus supports and the Holy Spirit confirms that we are yet the infallible proofs of Christ's witness. Let me, let me just get you to think about this, listener. Why don't you just chunk it all? Why don't you just chunk it all? Why don't you just go out and do whatever your flesh wants to do? Why don't you just say no to God? No to the church, no to the Bible, no to the convictions, and just go out and live wild. You know why you don't do that? Because he lives in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I got it. Not everybody who's not a Christian is living, you know, wild and and you know, in the wild party life and what or not. But but yet we know inside of us there is this con- constraint of Christ. The love of Christ constrains us. And and that in and of itself, and the fact that we are the new temple of the risen Lord and and the very presence of God in us, when we are living and we're going about, man, when I walked into the, the bookstore today, when I walked into the, uh, the restaurant today, wherever it may be, I have come representing Christ, and the life of Christ is in me. I may not see it. You may not see it. But, boy, if we could actually, if we could just start with believing it. Mm-hmm. If we could just believe it and then own it and then let God work through us, I think we'd start... Can I read something that's going to really shake us up? I don't know. Maybe this is what you're thinking about. You you were grinning. Go ahead. Say what you were going to say. My, as you're talking, I, what's the G.I. Joe slogan? Uh, knowing is half the battle. If we could just believe it, if we could just accept it and have that knowledge of it, mm-hmm. we've got a leg up on overcoming what's keeping us from being the effective ambassadors we're supposed to be. So do we believe what Jesus said in Mark 16? Oh, no. He had to go there, didn't he? <laughs> Go into the world, preach the gospel. He that believes is baptized is saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, you know, preacher, that was that was for a time. That was for the uh, apostles and the early church. And, you know, that was a time of signs. And now we've got the Bible and we don't... Okay, all right. Keep telling yourself that and keep living in less than what we were intended to be. Jesus said, you will do greater things than I have done. The reason we're not doing them is not because it's not possible. The reason we're not doing them is because we don't believe. Yeah. And, man, I tell you, there's there's something inside of me that says, coming out of a week, week of resurrection and passion focus and coming out of that second week of post-resurrection and coming into this week and, and and just the things we've been learning and doing over the last few years, there's a part of me that just wants to come out from under all of that, let's just call it what it is, crippling excuse, excuse theology and find this life that Jesus said we're supposed to have. Well, you got to be careful now. The next thing you know, he'll be on TV, you know, sending out prayer claws and asking for people to send donations. And he'll, you know, all right, we can set behind those excuses and we can set behind the facades and the, the, the shysters and all that. Or we can get up and we can seek the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. 
Can I poke one more hole and go ahead? So look at the difference. (laughs) Look at the difference in even the very disciples. You know, they come. uh, I forget the gentleman, but he had a the son that had the 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 demon, and the disciples couldn't cast him out. And Mm -hmm. Jesus teaches the lesson: this kind only cometh by prayer and fasting. He doesn't tell them, "You can't do this because I'm here present on this earth." He tells them, "No, you couldn't do this because." You're not at that particular place yet. All right, then go over to the book of Acts. Peter and John walking into the temple and the lame man sitting outside the beautiful gate. Peter and John doesn't look at him and say, to confirm that the church age is upon us, I will heal you. He just says very bluntly, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So there's there's clearly a difference. And it's not that it's just the page has turned into a new age. Peter and John are different in Acts chapter number 3 than they were trying to cast out the demon-possessed young man. There had been growth, there had been a deepening of faith, an increase in knowledge, and they had a much better understanding of who they were as the people of God. We've lost it. Well, it's still going on. There are still places in this world, on this planet right now, where devout followers of Jesus are doing those things that I just read in Mark 16. And it's like a fairy tale to us because we're we're living in a fantasy world. Yeah. But it is it is what God has enabled us or will enable us to do. If you come back to our text in Acts chapter one, just reading on down through this, um, let's let, let's read through verse number eight. And so it says in verse four, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They're still kind of hung up on that a little bit, but, yeah. but only because now it's not a belief that, that he would do it their way. I, I think now they know there's a new way he's doing this, and we're on board with it. But they're still looking for that. But in in a in a way we should say why not right why not look for that i think one of the problems we have and we talk about this a lot but i want to help in it not just throw rocks at it one of the problems we have in american christianity is we somehow largely believe that somehow one day we're going to see this great revival sweep across our land we're going to have the most devout Christian president ever. Every governor of every state's going to be a Christian. We're going to rewrite all the laws to reflect God's word. Well, friend, that's not how it's going to be done. And that's what the apostles had to learn, and they did learn it. But at the same time, while they knew the kingdom would not be restored the way they originally was hoping it would be, they still knew that their hope was in their Messiah, that Jesus was risen, and that he would one day make things right. And that's where our heart has to go. Yes. Not not that the, that, that the U.S. of A becomes the, the kingdom of God on earth, but that the kingdom of God will come and will fix and restore all things in the way God intended to. And so it says, he answers, he said unto them, is it, not, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now stopping the reading right there, I, I put three words down that I think kind of convey what Jesus is up to, and we can talk about these more tomorrow. But it's proving, promising, and powering. He is proving, 
his resurrection. He is promising the things that the Father had said. He's, he's reminding them of it. And then he is powering the church up by his, his passing on the truth, by his commissioning. And they're going to go forth from this and do some great things. And so uh, it's going to be an exciting journey to walk through this over the next uh, few days. So stay with us and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.